0: this episode is Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about Iron Knight. And we unfortunately don't have a guest today due to a last minute sickness. We wish Masako X the best and we hope him a speedy recovery, but keep your eyes and ears out for hopefully an episode in the future where he'll be able to join us on an episode.
1: Masako X was unfortunately afflicted by anime disease. It's something that- uh... It's actually the heart virus Goku had.
0: Yeah. Oh, shit yeah you're like legit mad you're like how the fuck <laughs> did I and for the record so if you're unaware Masako X was one of the creators of Dragon Ball Z the abridged series where he played Goku so that's why Jordan's like that was like a 500 IQ joke
1: yeah which by the way is uh the optimal way to revisit Dragon Ball Z I yes. do not want to sit through all the filler but I love DBZ so I just watch the abridged series cause it, at some point it just turns into a good dub of DBZ uh, about the Namek saga <laughs> The Raditz Saga and Vegeta Saga, they're still trying to figure it out. But yeah, when it gets to Namek, they have it pretty good. And then the Cell Saga, the way they did that was just really well done. It's insane.
0: Yeah. There's actually um, an instance where they were going to do the Kai dub for, you know, when Hercules makes like a movie about the Cell Saga? Yeah. (laughs) They actually had the people from Team Four Star play it. And then it was like the people who own the Japanese rights got mad and they had to recycle the audio.
1: What the fuck? Did they get offended?
0: They consider it, like, the parody to be, like, an insult to the brand.
1: Fuck off. That parody is, like... It's, like, the revival of DBZ for me, you know? Like, ugh. Uh, It's a
0: shame we'll never get Dragon Ball Z... Or Dragon Ball Super Ubridge. But... I digress. And before we start diving into episode proper, really big shout out to Marty, who used his patron power as a Chainsaw Man, our level four patron, to help us pick this series. So Marty, we really appreciate you working with us. This series was definitely a lot of fun to read. And we're very sorry we couldn't have a guest on this episode, but know that we will still be giving it all. And if you listener ever want to help explicitly help us pick a series, just take a look at our patrons, patron.com slash and flop, where you too can pick out a series if you choose to be a Chainsaw Man patron.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, Marty, by the way. I wanted to say thank you, too. So, yeah. Now that we've talked enough details about
0: Patreon, why don't we get into the manga details? So, this series was created by Yagi Tomohiro, who was also known for creating Red Sprite.
1: Ooh, Red Sprite! Yeah, baby! (laughs) Ooh, our favorite Kami manga. Manga, I'm sorry, we got called out for pronouncing it poorly. (laughs) I forgot I started saying that word right. But yeah,
0: Jordan, I can't think, can you think of other series where it was like a one person who created it and had two failures like this? I know Phantom Seer and Tokyo Shinobi Squad shared an artist, but can you think of an instance of a one person creative team? Like we did two series by the creator of Micro Academia, but he eventually got it in the end
1: yeah I can't really think of uh anyone off the top of my head. That might just be a lack of knowledge uh like who else have we covered whose like further works we've done yeah, that's why I've been trying to think about is how many people we've done two series by problem is like if you're not gonna hear about somebody doing that unless they get famous because nobody will talk about it, you know <laughs> exactly. you know what? having read the first failed series by um by the my hero academia guy and mm-hmm. having read this guy's failed series i think this guy's failed series are better than that guy's failed series
0: i wouldn't disagree but listeners you can check out our thoughts more on our episodes of ozu that's omega donkey zoo by the way omega donkey dokey Doopy. omega donkey omega donkey zoo yeah. yes <laughs> yes and barrage aka bulge
1: <laughs> bulge Bulge of the Warring Planets, yes. Yeah,
0: and we had some absolutely fantastic guests on those episodes, too. They were a lot of fun, yeah. Yeah, it was Dan Harrison, and who was on Ozu?
1: Ah, Midnight Cross.
0: Absolutely terrific, our first Australian guest.
1: Yeah, one of the sweetest people we've ever had on the show, which is saying a lot, considering we disagreed with her in that episode.
0: Oh, yeah. And then just to finally wrap up the details, so this ran from December 2nd, 2013 to March 31st, 2014. So, wow, this series is actually 17 years old, which is kind of nuts. Whoa. Or sorry, this series no, not is... No, 17. Is, sorry, this series is seven years, which <laughs> is not that nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll just trick that part out. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's based on a one-shot where Jordan said he really wants to go into the details yeah. of it later on. And this was 17 chapters over three volumes. And so one of those chapters was kind of like this weird epilogue thing that was kind of strange. And we'll definitely dive into that as well. It does a similar thing that Red Sprite does, actually. <laughs> Very big if true. <laughs> Shockingly. And then speaking of plot, Jordan, why
1: don't we dive into your plot summary? Absolutely. Yushizume Tepe is the young child of a police officer. He goes to school, lives with his aunt and uncle, and even plans on marrying his cousin, Himagawa Tsubasa. (laughs) One night, however, his world is turned upside down when Japan is overtaken by goblins. Oh my God, I realize I just said uh, his world got turned upside down and he went to live with his aunt and uncle. Anyway. I really thought that was on purpose when I read that. It was not. Uh One night, however, his world is turned upside down when Japan is overtaken by goblins, humans who have transformed into demons. Tepe himself grows into the Iron Knight, a big, black, hard, horned, bull-shaped goblin with fire powers, and resolves to become a hero for humanity. After almost losing control, he meets a bunny goblin with ice powers named Yuki, who is able to calm him down enough to meet with survivors of his town. They had been imprisoned in a slave camp by the goblin Numazawa, who spits acid with his tongue penis. Tepe fights him off, but his goblin form scares the refugees, so he runs off, and then... Happens to bump into Yuki, who helps him come up with a way to take down Numizawa for good. After they succeed, the refugees immediately accept Tepe and Yuki as the heroes they are just in time to fight off an army of goblins with fucking guns! <laughs> Tepe and Yuki are saved from defeat by Kikuta, a sniper with the remnants of the National Defense Force, who takes them to meet his commanding officer, Major Sakurayama. They ally themselves with the Defense Force to rescue a large group of civilians, including Tepe's cousin-slash-wife, Tsubasa, from a military stronghold which was captured by the Three Eyes, a hive-minded goblin army controlled by one leader. Kikuta suddenly betrays his comrades and reveals that he is the that leader, fusing all of his forces into one giant goblin, which Tepe barely manages to defeat, Popcorn David.
0: Oh, thank you. I was like, oh, when is he going to call on me? One year passes and the refugees populate a nearby city with Tepe as their guardian, but Tsubasa is traumatized and mute. The defense force tells Tepe that they must defeat their actual arch nemesis, Amachi Zenjiro. Zenjiro transforms into a giant immortal bull demon determined to wipe out humanity, so Tepe pretends to go berserk and scares everyone away while they fight. Yuki reveals she was an assassin created out of Tsubasa's soul, sent to kill Tepe, but instead helps Tepe sacrifice himself to trap Zenjiro underground forever. Don't worry though, there's there's an epilogue far in the future where people live in harmony with furries, and it's implied that Yuki helped Tsubasa and Tepe live together for a brief time after the series. Also, there's a new kid called Tepe who wants to be a hero.
1: The end, <laughs> question mark?
0: <laughs> uh, yes, because this definitely was no continuation on this yeah. series. Yeah. Sorry, Victor. And Marty.
1: Sorry, Victor and Marty. I apologize to both of you.
0: Still really think the two of you should make a podcast together. <laughs> yeah have the blue guy as a guest he seems to very much want to be on a show we'd shout you out his uh y'all's tenacity about such
1: things
0: (laughs) why don't I speaking of tenacity I'll start with the main character Ushizume Tepe he is a sleepy boy his dad's a detective who never
1: shows up dad's dad does not show up I like no I really thought it was in fact I think the author was planning on doing that we'll get into it with another character but no it doesn't happen he just doesn't show up nope they just completely drop him this guy just
0: loves dropping family members and not having the matter.
1: Holy shit, you're right. Like, this is the second series we've read for him where he sets up the main character's father and then he just never shows up. Holy shit.
0: I yep. <laughs> <laughs> See, I learned my lesson from Red Sprite. That's why I didn't think the father would show up. <laughs> I see, yeah. He gets like this iron bull form and he fights goblins demons, depending on your translation. And ultimately, he kind of gives his life, but it's not really clear to save the day at the end. But yeah, it's... and he's super mature for an 11
1: year old, which was weird. But yeah. It's kind of interesting, like, uh, the way it ends is that Tepe fights uh, Zenjiro to, like, a a standstill before, like, kind of turning his body into a giant iron mountain that um, traps Zenjiro underground, uh, presumably for eternity, but, you know, I mean, look, that's never how it works, right? Yeah. I mean, that's how it works as far as we know, because the series ended, but, you know. (laughs) Exactly. If you trap an immortal being for a thousand years, he's gonna come out after a thousand years is my point yeah these characters have discovered the calendar (laughs) yeah tepe is uh he's obsessed with being a hero unfortunately i I can't think of too much more about him the iron knight is pretty cool though it is like a big bull form hey david uh, how long did it take you to realize that the iron knight was giant by the way it's giant when he turns into the iron knight he grows like significantly taller than a normal person
0: I thought he was, like, six feet tall when he's in that form.
1: I know, I was surprised, too, but there are a bunch of, there are, like, a few panels uh, that show up later in the series where he's just next to normal people and he towers over them, and it is not stated at all in the first few chapters because when he turns into a goblin, all the other goblins around him are even taller than him. Yeah.
0: I mean, let's be <laughs> honest, What Man does a good job with scale anyway, even One Piece fucks it up constantly.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if you're going to have a giant bull demon, you should let me know that it's giant somehow. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely insane. Yeah, it surprised me. I'm glad it surprised you, too. I like how
0: his like a weapon becomes like, like a gun and it kind of has like a like a flint lock where you can shoot at once. And it's it was weird. It's like, oh, you've got this heat. And I'm like, I don't think lighting gunpowder at a hotter temperature makes the bullet shoot faster.
1: Yeah, you think about it too much, doesn't make too much sense, but I mean, you know, it's a series about a giant goblin bull demon, so I was just like, he's got a gun and he can just activate the bullets using his powers, whatever, that's a cool way to make a gun. I cast gun. Yeah, the gun spell. He's got a gun blade. Oh god, your favorite. Oh, my favorite. Remember the gun gun? (laughs) The gun gun? Is that the gun that shoots guns? Yeah, it is. And then we had the gun 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 or whatever that shoots guns that shoots guns blah blah blah, you get it. Uh,
0: I, I'm picking up what you're putting down, which are guns, which yeah. is why a gun that shoots guns is not a good idea, because then you arm your opponents when you shoot at them.
1: That's a good point. You you basically have to pistol whip them with the gun. <laughs> it's gun. Yeah, it's like,
0: if it's like Wanda and you make the bullet curve and it's just a gun, the gun shoots <laughs> out and it curves. Yeah,
1: exactly. Oh, like, I'm really good at uh, shooting guns, but, like, not shooting guns. Anyway, Himagawa Tsubasa. <sighs> yeah, tell us about her. She's his cousin like this, this it never tells us that she isn't his cousin, right? He only calls Auntie an uncle. We went into it in the chibi, but like you got to give us something else. I mean, it's possible. It's totally possible that he just calls a family friend aunt and uncle, but you got to tell us that it's a family friend because the aunt could have been like when uncle's name's friend
0: said that we'd be watching us if we could watch you. You know, we didn't think it turned out to be like two years
1: or something like that and make it very clear. Yeah, just clarify the, uh, the relationship between them and his father. Or even just have them being like, oh, it's nice how he calls us aunt and uncle, you know. Just do that. Fine. But he doesn't. It's so dumb.
0: Anyway, though. So she's just kind of soulless. Uh, but at least she was forward about her feelings and they instantly. So they take away the agency from a character that perhaps had the most agency in the series
1: at the start she is forward about her feelings she comes up to him and is like hey I, I i love you and like we should get married when we get older and then she disappears for a while shows up again she's a husk she doesn't yeah. talk she's mm-hmm. uh completely reliant on everybody else as mentioned uh her soul was literally stolen it's so stumped by the next character yuki
0: yes So Yuki is furry. She is like one of the few instances of the writer actually planting any seeds because clearly everything was just he made it up as he was going along with this. But she's got ice bunny powers. She's secretly an assassin that wanted to. So uh, stupid. (laughs) Was programmed to kill the main character for some reason but she overcomes her programming and it didn't really make sense how she did that but the series was ending so I just didn't really care anymore
1: so here's what I think the author was trying to say because like the defense force is of course run by ugh, bureaucrats and like yep. old dudes and they were like hey so we know about these goblins so let's just make a goblin on the off chance that a goblin with fire powers shows up and she has ice powers yep. and then at some point they decided to take the soul of Tepe's girlfriend Or whatever and put it in there So that yeah. they would You know the more I talk about it the more I realize This is, this doesn't make any fucking sense actually it's like Evangelion eh, Yeah but I mean it's sort of implied That they had no reason to suspect Tepe would turn into the go Like it seems like the author was going to Set up something where ah of course It was Tepe he's special but he doesn't get there So yeah Yeah um, It's so stupid She feels like a manic pixie dream girl who just shows up out of nowhere in order to make Tepe feel better. Yeah, that feel when no ice cutie that wants to murder you. Mm, Yeah, I know that feel. It's a tough feel. It really breaks my heart. And then in the epilogue, it's just implied that everything worked out. She survived, even though it seemed like she sacrificed herself. And then reunites him with Subasa, who somehow has her soul, even though it seems like she's still alive. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense, buddy. No, it doesn't, because this is a manga about a big scare, about like a big armored bull demon with a big sword. Big, big bull. hmm. That's no bull.
0: Nope. Zinga. Next up, we've got uh, Kikuta, military man. So he seems to be like this noble hero, but actually he was the bad guy the whole time and he <laughs> does bad things and you he's fool. bad because he's a sociopath. So
1: he's a guy who joined the military because he wanted to go to war, but uh-oh, there's peace. So instead, now that he has goblin powers, he's, he's controlling a giant army and causing war because he's a douchebag. It's a shame there's absolutely nowhere in the world that a military person who wants to keep fighting could possibly sustain a lifestyle of continuing to fight. It's a shame we just lived in a we just live in a universe of peace. So, right? yeah, Kikita's story arc is kind of the last time I feel like the series was good. Like, I felt like that battle against him was actually pretty cool. And then nothing after it really met it in terms of quality, I felt because he does this thing where he has like an army of goblins and fuses them into this giant goblin. And there's a little bit of cool lore where he says it is believed that all goblins were once a giant goblin that split apart, which I don't know. That's kind of cool.
0: So it's cool, but like ugh, everything is just so two dimensional. There's no depth to anything to really talk about about the series. No. So why don't we let's get into the last character. So Jordan, tell us about
1: the actual big bad of the second half of the series. Yeah. Amachi Zenjiro. So this is a character who the army literally sets te- sits Tepe down and says, yeah, so see this guy, he's real bad. Just think about think of him as our arch nemesis. Like they use the word arch nemesis to yep. describe him. They ain't got time for a subtlety when they got like four chapters left. Yeah, we got no fucking time. Look, we just got to get through this. I really thought it was going to be revealed that Zenjiro was Tepe's father mm-hmm. because it seems like they're setting it up because he ter- turns into a giant bull. He knows Tepe. He seems uh, very interested in him specifically. He wants him to join him, you know, like, yeah, like an evil Emperor Vader kind of situation. And it's really stupid. Yeah, I 100% thought the main bad guy was going
0: to be his dad or something. And he's like, uh, oh, I became a cop and the criminals I'm catching. I was recruiting to become goblins or something <laughs> like that, which actually sounds like a decent enough idea that I just came up with on the spot.
1: Yeah, it's a decent idea and seems to uh, to uh, align with the author's politics as, mentioned, as seen in Red Sprite. Yeah, ACAB. ACAB. You say ugly ASAB here. What about ugly ACAB? Anyway. (sighs) Okay, buddy. He is the goblin representing the classical element of immortality. As we all know, it's the four elements. Earth, fire, wind, immortality. Mm -hmm. His face looks really freaky. I actually liked how freaky his face looks. He was eating too many warheads. Ah, that explains a lot. But yeah, uh, I'm good to move on to why it failed. All right, so
0: Jordan, why don't you take it away with really what did you not enjoy about the series?
1: It really felt like the author just immediately lost steam after the first chapter. Yeah, there wasn't enough coals in the fire. Because what was really cool about the first chapter was seeing the Iron Knight fight against like these freaky looking goblins and stuff. And then after that, it becomes much more driven almost by politics or stuff, which the, the author is not as good at.
0: It has such a really cool premise, and then they skip it, you know? Yeah. Why was there a time skip? You're like, oh, let's show this post-apocalypse this character having to survive, and they like are about to show a giant battle, and then they just skip it a month later. He's like,
1: eh, everything's fine it seemed like the author had some ideas that he was really interested in and just wanted to jump to them as fast as he could and just wanted to get them in as much as he could when instead if he had taken his time and had worked with the series as it was logically headed the series would have turned out way better right because he seemed very interested in having the iron knight be a superhero protecting a small band of people and And instead of having that setup happen, he just jumps to the point where it already happened. And it just isn't as interesting. That's the thing about like
0: post-apocalyptic series is the most interesting part is usually the survival. Yeah. And usually a lot of series when they start shifting into saving the world mode is when they get less interesting because then the backdrop doesn't matter anymore. And it just becomes kind of generic action if the characters gain too much agency with how their survival
1: in the world will be. Which is why Berserk is so good, because it's so brutal. And this author clearly doesn't want to lean into that brutality, which, you know, is fine. But if you don't do that, then you have to find another way to kind of make up for it in order to increase the feeling of danger. And, like, I don't really feel like he does. Like, um, there's a couple moments where it's like, oh, the goblins are just, like, killing a bunch of people. So, like, like, that aspect is communicated, but I don't feel like it's really felt, you know? Right? It's told, like, oh, this guy wants to kill all humans and shit but like i don't know it it doesn't feel like they're really taking some heavy hits even though they literally are
0: yeah it's shifting though because i feel like i really want to save some of that discussion for where it could have gone because that really is the meat and potatoes of it yeah just the art is rough you can tell where he uses time but when the artist wasn't trying in certain areas or either due to lack of time or laziness it can be rough the backgrounds lots of whites having a main character with white hair generally i just use that as a sign of laziness because it just makes all the art seem very bland because he's always gonna he's always gonna like look as part of the background because yeah. if you're not trying extensive backgrounds your character's hair
1: is just not going to be very interesting I think that's a little bit of a stretch to go. And I think you're you're judging just from Toriyama doing that, where he was just like, "I made the Super Saiyan and have like white hair in the manga, so I just didn't have to color it in or something." <laughs> but that's fair. Yeah, that doesn't mean that like every time there's a white haired character, it's laziness. Sometimes it just does work better, but it doesn't really necessarily work better here. Although I will say my issues with reading the action doesn't really have anything to do with the character's white hair. It's the fact that when Tepe turns into the Iron Knight, he becomes just this big black blob on the page. Oh, the yeah, time. for sure. That made it tougher to read. Also, there's a weird thing that happened around chapter 13 mm-hmm. where it seemed like the art had been sent through like a neural network. It's really hard to explain. Like if you ever download those uh, apps that'll take your drawings or or take an image and turn it into like a, uh, a pencil drawing or something using AI or a neural network, mm-hmm. the lines will look different. They, yeah. like, you'll be able to tell this was not drawn by a person. This was done by a computer there's like one or two chapters where there's a bunch of moments where i'm just like is that a neural network just the way it looked was very strange <laughs> I, I don't think that technology existed
0: at the time but that's an interesting perspective of it they had filters though like it it could have also been like a photoshop filter i mean we've seen people do shortcuts like that like when we were reading p, the fucking <laughs> piano wasn't even drawn you know the main focus of the series i love that yeah <laughs> no you didn't that series sucked Spoiler alert for uh, all our patron listeners for that bonus episode that's going to come out soon.
1: I'm not going to defend its quality, but I'm a little interested in it just because it's very strange. But anyway, back to uh, Iron Knight. What do you think about how they just name him Iron Knight like over halfway through the series? Yeah, they're just like,
0: what is Yeah, some kind of Iron Knight. That joke is truly the most important contribution the original Suicide Squad movie had on culture.
1: (laughs) That's also um, not an exaggeration, really. That's pretty much exactly what happens. It's just ridiculous. Like you're some kind of knight and you're like made of iron. You're like an iron knight. Also, I just remembered there's a moment in um, the early chapters where he uses an attack called like Iron Fist or whatever. And he's like, wow, this is stronger When I say the name, I'm just gonna Abbreviate it to IF from now on Which, first (laughs) of all, he doesn't say the name Of the attack from that point on, that does Not happen. He never does it again. No, he never Does it again, but also, why the fuck Does that work? If it's called Iron Fire And you can just change, you can just change the Name to something shorter Why wouldn't you just make them all like One syllable letters? Right? This attack is called A This attack is called B. is a Fonzi strike Yeah, the Strike. exactly exactly
0: ah uh, man he just jumps over a fucking uh shark yeah. <laughs> a shark goblin while punching someone on exactly. his jet ski.
1: the irony is that that would make me more interested in oh series. yeah yeah
0: but oh the iron me hey Bazinga. all right so my last point though is that, as we talked about, never builds up an overarching plot, but, oh, I I guess also I lied. So another thing is just this series, like, it doesn't really work as a shonen, like you talked about, Berserk has a high level of brutality, that there are limits to how much you can show how much the world sucks if you can't show inherent violence or complex struggles. This series literally has a 10-year-old protagonist, so there are limits to what a shonen jump series can show when your protagonist is 10
1: years old and so is your surrounding cast. I'm basically convinced that after he wrote the one shot, he read a lot of Berserk because it just really feels like he took what he had done and was like, let's make it more Berserk. Like all of a sudden Tepe has a massive sword, which, you know, he uses more like uh, a big iron slab, which I'm pretty sure Guts also uses. That way He is a black iron knight Guts is the black swordsman He's got like this uh, Much smaller, cute Pixie-like sidekick as David yep. predicted Much like Berserk I even saw something in the series He has a gun he has a yeah, he has a gun, just like just like Berserk. It's a it's a similar kind of cannon that Guts has in his arm. But he just cannot pull it off. And I think it really hamstrung him. Oh my god, I just also realized, you know what else happens in Iron Knight? What? Tepe's love interest experiences a severe trauma that leaves her emotionless and mute. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, this guy maybe read a little too much Berserk. Yeah, or maybe he didn't read enough because he didn't realize what makes Berserk good. Either not enough or too much. He, he got it right in the middle. You never want to go in the middle. You always want to go full Berserk or not Berserk.
0: <laughs> 100% or not at all. Speaking of the fact that he's 10, it's so fucking weird. Why did they make him so young? You have a romantic sub lot, You talk about morality, but he's a 10-year-old. Like, that was also in Retro, right? Remember when the print, like the queen, Beatrix, where you assume she's like, just looks 10, but no, this is like a 10-year-old willing to sacrifice herself for the good of the nation.
1: Yeah. Like, what does it fucking mean to have a romance when you're 10 years old? Would it blow your mind if I told you that the uh, in the one shot, they're in high school? No, that makes so much more
0: sense for this guy to have been like 16, 17.
1: Yeah. In the one shot, he's just like a 16 year old who hasn't hit a growth spurt or something.
0: Do you want to go into what it did well?
1: Yeah, let's go into what it did well. So, man, while the author picks and
0: chooses how he uses time, when he actually tries, you can see some fantastic art. There are some great splash pages in the first chapter. Overall, the designs are also pretty interesting and quite gruesome, which is one of the few ways you really see the brutality in the series. Because otherwise, stuff like the violence, the politics are kind of shortcut. But yeah, and then just the characters do feel kind of real, like at least in the first chapter, like how they're drinking coffee. You see them actually putting their shoes on when they're leaving something. Definitely added nice little touches that made the world feel a little bit more lived in than a lot of series otherwise where they would have just skipped details like that.
1: This is a guy who clearly has weaknesses, but he also has strengths. I feel like he just hasn't really found the proper way to use his talents yet. Because, yeah, when it's working, it is working. This series has moments where it's cool. Yeah. Like the second half of the first chapter, when everything goes to shit, and he's just in this hell world fighting this giant creepy Tengu dude. Yeah, that part ruled. Oh, I just wish fucking they just
0: made just expanded from that first chapter
1: right oh my god like the best parts are where it's Tepe fighting against this big gross fucked up demon or whatever you know right because I really feel like the author really needs to lean into that and I'm not sure he's aware that that's where he's the best but he didn't lean into it in
0: his next series so he clearly doesn't know what would have made his work more interesting he
1: might need a writer yeah
0: yeah I will also say uh, one last positive is also I do appreciate that the main character critically thought about how to use his powers like the whole oh he creates all this iron why don't you use the iron to create things like shields and additional weapons I thought was a nice touch you also see in the second chapter he starts thinking more creatively in ways he can like empower himself but because I skipped all this time you don't see him like trying and failing or getting the creative or getting the inspiration for these abilities which lessen the value of having a character explore like the limitations of his powers which is really what has made luffy in one piece so exciting nothing has changed about how luffy's powers work but oda has just thought of all these really interesting ways to use the definition of his power in new ways like the gears is just so fucking awesome an idea that i feel like almost no other writer would have thought of
1: yeah i really liked that part where he they were talking through kind of strategy and then the author built on it what i also liked is that uh They made a point of saying, hey, you know, I'm able to shape this iron using my powers, but I'm not like that skilled at it. So as a result, his sword really is just a big fucked up slab of iron because that's (laughs) what he can make. And I loved that. I was like, that makes total sense. Yeah. I also really liked how when the Iron Knight uses his powers, his arm like opens you know? Yeah. Like, I thought that looked so cool. Yeah, just like Guts' guts arm. Oh god, you're right! It opens in a different way, though, that you don't normally I see. I guess. Yeah. I guess. I just thought it visually was very interesting, at least. Yeah, uh, trying to think of more positives. I feel like there have to be more because I actually did enjoy a lot of the time with this series. Oh, the final bad guy looks really cool. Yeah, the designs are cool like I said when he really wants to draw the monster said
0: interesting designs. They really had this nice taste of like horror that really pushed I would probably assume at the limits or at the time probably what you could do in the mid 2000s for wait, I, I'm forgetting what deck. So I keep fucking <laughs> keeping this is like from 2007. So I guess actually yeah, it was just really cool designs, uh maybe not like pushing the boundaries of how graphically intense you could be like Chainsaw Man, but it was still very nice that working within the limitations of the genre and audience to show like these tentacle eyeball monsters and you know demonic people
1: like what you're saying this author needs to get grosser and not necessarily just because oh you know it's not edgy enough it's because when he does it that's when he shines Mm -hmm. because he's able to pull off this really gross brutal freaky aesthetic but it seems like he just doesn't lean into it and he should exactly this should be much more of a horror manga than it is
0: yeah, but again, it's limited by the audience. You have a ten-year-old protagonist, and it's just for kids. Yeah. So, you, what are you supposed to do? Like, uh, yeah, you got like Made in Abyss, where it's literally like this series where they there is no limits. But that series is pretty goddamn fucked up.
1: Well, I mean, you can absolutely have a horror series with the child as the main protagonist. In fact, that could be really good because you have a child who is powerless, terrified of the world around him. Like, it makes it scarier. I mean, hey, that's that's why uh, the good parts of. Promise Neverland work, you know? Yeah, rest in peace. Before Santa Claus showed up. Rip, yeah.
0: It's fucking such a terrible ending. The man- <laughs> and manga and anime both shit themselves. Uh, that sucks. Speaking of wishing of what could have been, why don't we talk about where this series could have gone? Yeah. So, I mean, the main one, as we talked about, beat around the bush, this series should have lived in the world it created in the first chapter. I want to see him struggle. He is scavenging. He is trying to survive. He is terrified that a monster will kill him in his sleep. Yeah, that's a lot for a 10-year-old for a kid series, but fuck it. That would have been really cool to just see this 10-year-old absolutely terrified. And while, yes, he has these powers, he is never safe, and he doesn't even know if there's any humans left alive.
1: You say, oh, it's for it's for 10-year-olds, oh, you can't go too hardcore, but, like, dude, Shonen Jump gets hardcore and brutal as fuck, and that is, like, for kids. I feel like it's very easy to get bogged down in, uh, oh, uh, this is for kids or something, but, like, you're right, though, like, based entirely on where this series' strengths were and how it would have gotten better, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen maybe he hangs out in that area for a longer period of time protecting the town where he was, and maybe slowly people kind of start funneling in, maybe he he finds a couple people around him. Like instead, he just immediately finds this faceless crowd of people. Yeah. We don't learn really about any of them because there's just too many to learn about. And then there's the military, which I appreciate the military actually was effective
0: in that their guns worked on the monsters, which is actually kind of rare. Yeah. But still, that month he skipped, which is ironic because he should have skipped the first month of Red Sprite. <laughs> so it's kind of funny where I really feel like he learned nothing about what didn't work in the series when he made Red Sprite.
1: Did because don't forget after uh, the first part of the first chapter there is like a seven year time skip. I guess. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, yeah, there wasn't enough
0: pro <laughs> pro cap uh, <laughs> communist ideology in series, so they've made
1: adjustments. <laughs> that was the takeaway from Iron Knight. It pushed him to really realize that what the the true enemy was our iron chains. Yes. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> I- and so it's
0: a bull market. Hey! Now you gotta shut the fuck up. That's what's worse. <laughs> Fuck you. Also, I feel like it might have been cool where they they actually don't explain why he has these powers unless I missed it. And they said that you get powers because you were like a shitty person before the apocalypse started. So what if he actually was like somehow he actually was like a murderer? It's like another series that we talk about a lot, but I won't ruin something that happens very much (laughs) near the end, especially because there's an anime adaption coming out soon. But what if that was the case where it was another stealth symphony where he was this crazed murderer and he like suppressed it and he actually was a legitimately terrible person before the apocalypse?
1: It seemed to imply that in the first chapter, because like his living situation doesn't super make a lot of sense with his family. You don't know who his dad is. There's a moment where he's like, do I even remember where I used to live? Which really does just come off as he's like uh, his memories are fake or whatever, but it doesn't get there. And right. It's like a loaded Chekhov's gun that he just forgets about.
0: Yeah, they really could have seeded a lot more of these ideas and really talked about, like, the biology of the goblins and how they worked, which I just, this this depresses me because the first chapter had so much potential and then he just fucking doesn't care about what really could have been interesting. Well, you're going to like what I have to say about the one shot, David. Why don't you share the spiel as we go into miscellaneous thoughts?
1: Here's the thing. In the one shot, uh, so the, the, the idea, and they touch upon it in Iron Knight, it's like they say that the goblins were the, real, were the real original humans who just forgot who they were. And in this, there's a virus that is turning people into these goblins. Tepe has always had, like, really hard skin, so he winds up just, like, protecting his friends They're in high school. Subasa is there. She's also in high school. And what happens is that when he finally transforms into a bull, he has to protect the people at his school. And he also... Goes crazy and acts like a fucking bull. So that's one thing. There's a justification for why he looks like a fucking bull. He doesn't have a sword, so the berserk influence is not there yet. He actually has dreams when he's with Subasa, where he imagines like a cute version of himself eating a bunny rabbit, and it turns out that the rabbit is Subasa who he hurts. So it's like all of a sudden you have a way more interesting protagonist, a way more interesting relationship, a way more-there's just a lot more depth there to be with, And it does still end with like, I'm pretty sure a time skip where he is the hero and also Tsubasa dies, therefore taking away her agency once again. But it just seemed like a way better starting point. All the strengths from Iron Knight are there without a lot of the fat it even seeds uh, Zenjiro who they have a little clip where they show what is obviously him. And they're like, Oh, we fought against the the goblins like, like a thousand years ago, but there was one good goblin who stood up and it was Zenjiro. So it's like, Okay, you're setting up a bunch of stuff here like it really feels like when the author made Iron Knight, he ran out of ideas halfway through and then just cannibalized stuff that he did not set up in Iron Knight from the one shot with no preparation. It just really does not fit in the final series, but it's it would fit way more into the world of the one shot.
0: (sighs) It's just so disappointing. It I'll have to read the one shot after this or I just get sad about what could have been.
1: It's definitely pretty good. Hmm,
0: that's good to know. Yeah. yeah. There there's a few series that have bunch better one shots. Yeah. Unfortunately. Like Golem Hearts always comes to mind.
1: It just feels like he did a remix of the one shot and just did it very poorly. Mm-hmm. Also, what the fuck was up with the furry at the end? Is she a goblin? I don't know. They don't explode No, she's a, she's like a
0: fake goblin thing. Is she? I don't dude, I yeah, don't fucking don't, know. Nobody man. knows. <laughs> Yeah, we can go ask the author in between sessions of him reading the Communist Manifesto. Yeah,
1: well, apparently it really does seem like he's taken a break from doing anything for the past few years. Yeah, that's a shame. I get like a Time Paradox Ghostwriter thing there where it's like, you got talent, man. You got talent. You're just not doing it right. You're just not doing a good enough job. And maybe in a few years, you'll come back and knock it out of the park. I don't know
0: exactly yeah who knows i hope that's who knows? what happens i have high hopes big, for this guy big if true yeah. big if true yeah <laughs> yeah and then i don't really have any miscellaneous thoughts we already talked about between the chibi episode and this just reiterating devilman crybaby
1: definitely was a big reminded me a lot of the series every single time you said it and i heard myself say it on the chibi it is like really difficult to say devilman crybaby without it sounding like devil may cry baby i'm aware <laughs>
0: Oh, that was still one of the hardest pieces of audio where we, we made like a bunch of like featuring Ma- this, this uh, cover art would have like featuring Masako X from <laughs> Team Four Star. We are like, wow, that's really great. But we had to
1: cut it, but it's fine. People get sick. Yeah, whatever. It, it happens. I hope that Trunks shows up with the grape flavored heart disease medicine. You really are just still mad that I caught of that joke. I'm not mad. I'm happy that you did. It's so rare
0: for David to have I'm a good happy, joke. I'm happy,
1: David. I'm happy. I'm definitely extremely happy. I'm, like, super proud of you.
0: Thanks, bud. I was really proud of myself. I'm going to tell my mom about that joke and she won't
1: get it. Yeah. You're talented, you piece of shit.
0: <laughs> Thanks, bud. You are also. All right, so, <laughs> ready? Final verdict yeah. time. Jordan, what is your six-word summary, my dude?
1: My six-word summary is if
0: Digimon tried to be berserk. I like it. Mine is melts once out of the mold. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, Thank you, thank you. They also never explain where the like the molds for everything
1: came from. They just had them. They don't. They really just don't explain a lot of things in this.
0: God, what a silly show. So I also want to read some fan six word summaries. This has been a lot of fun. As always, feel free to post them in the Discord. We had two this week. One from Tucker Devil Man, but with no, just Devil Man. I like that. And second from T Wolfwood. Goblin Slayers, Mecha Fights, Goblin Titans. So both really good ones. Appreciate fans sending them in. It's been a lot of fun adding this as a component to the show. Jordan, would you consider this a flop or not? This is a flop. Yeah. It doesn't suck, but it's, it's just sad, you know? This definitely gets one of the Wasted Potential awards. Yeah. I really thought this was going to be one of the best series we'd ever read, and then just shit itself so badly after the first chapter.
1: I know, I know. Ugh, those panels where he's just laying there with horns in his head and, like, the whole town is in flames. That was awesome. I was super on board. And then just, ugh. It just, it really breaks my heart. It does. It breaks mine, too. <sighs> but Jordan,
0: since this was a fault, what's a series that doesn't break your heart if someone checks it out? Or maybe does, but in a good
1: way. Shimagami Tensei is a great series that this, uh, this series probably seems seems to take a lot of inspiration from it has a very similar setup you are just like well most of them are like this i'm going to talk specifically about smt3 nocturne for ps2 featuring dante from the devil may cry series yeah no it has a similar setup you start out you're just a kid in tokyo the world goes to shit you find out that you're a demon and you got to find a bunch of demons to join your team yeah habits are the best of us no i hate when that happens but we deal with it david what about you I had a few. Uh, well, did you say if it was a flop?
0: If I didn't explicitly say it was definitely a flop, I, I kind of want to give it a certified flop for its ruined potential, but it's really not that bad, so yeah. I'll just say it's a flop. So it's really not bad, it's just disappointing. And so what I would say to check out is I had a few different ones. Made in the Abyss is definitely a good recommendation, but I wanted something that is actually for kids to show you could do this concept. And that is Digimon Tamers.
1: Hell yeah.
0: Which is essentially Evangelion for, <laughs> for kids.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's my description of it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that is that is accurate. Like I went back and rewatched that show in my 20s and was like shocked at how much it holds up. Yeah. It is the best depiction of depression I've seen in children's media. Coping <laughs> mechanism of talking to herself all the time. I was like, whoa, this is real fucked up.
0: Whoa, yeah. And then Jordan. Is this the worst series we've ever read? No, it definitely isn't. No, it's, it's like a six out of ten series. It's like not bad. It's just I really was expecting like an eight or a nine based on the first chapter. We're just sad that
1: it's not the best series that we read.
0: Jordan, if this had lived up to the quality of the first chapter, where do you think you would have placed it?
1: Uh, Possibly. If not the best, then like up there with Morking.
0: Yeah, I think the fact that the art shortcuts itself might have still, and the fact that the writer doesn't really do any prep work, I think the series really would have probably ended up being like a solid seven. So I think it would have been a little bit worse than Morking, but definitely wouldn't have been a flop. I mean, it's the plot and the story and shit that really drags it down. That month time skip. Fuck you up, man. Yeah, it fucks me up every time. You ready to go to shoutouts? Yep. First off, props to Jordan for making the opening and ending theme, being a great co-host and helping with the editing. Props to Shannon for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Illuminati and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Nigel, if you're listening, we sent you some really awesome merch if you were wondering where that came from. So from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate it. It's such a unique and cool element of our show to have art like this. I also want to give thanks to Tucker for assistance with pronunciation, translation, other miscellaneous research. Thanks to Nicole, Miriam, and Adi for helping with social media. Thank you so much to David for editing this episode. Oh, thanks, bud. You're welcome. I'm glad this one. uh, I've got a trip on Thursday, so hopefully I'm going to crank it in just because this one should be a little bit easier than usual. Vacation boy. Woo. Too many trips. I'm dying. I should stop traveling so much, but that's okay. Too (laughs) many trips. Too many trips. Also, if you haven't, as we talked about, be sure to join the Shonen Flop Discord. Come hang out with us and talk about anime games or whatever else is on your mind. We have a book club and do regular movie nights. We recently saw Black Dynamite where we had like 12 people come. That was a ton of fun. And the book club, absolute blast. Uh, we are reading, I think by the time this episode comes out, unfortunately, we've already done it. But we are probably going to have something really fun for November as Luke always does things. He made like a mini game show for the last one. He does little presentations um, and even gives out copies of the books, which is really fun. So this month, we're going to be reading a Casey Green, who actually we asked if he wanted to show up, and he said, I don't do social things anymore. No offense. Yeah. We appreciate him actually getting back to us, which was nice. I hope you feel better, Casey. You're really talented. Yeah, you're great, Casey. This is fine. He's the this is fine guy. And if you've been enjoying the podcast and want to help us keep going, consider subscribing to our Patreon. We have a ton of awesome perks ranging from exclusive mini episodes. We recently just did a first chapter impressions on PPPPPPPPP. <laughs> Which we made lots of jokes about the title, so you'll have to listen to that. Oh, yeah. We have a bonus episode about Bleach coming out. We did a Chibi scoring episode. So definitely where you're creating a lot of really awesome content. And you can even help us pick what series, like we talked about with Marty today, being an awesome James Tom and level patron. Woo, that was a smooth transition. And you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash And I also ask if you are considering being a patron and there's something making you hesitant about it, feel free to reach out to me on Discord, Twitter, or, or Gmail. Our Gmail is showninflopcast at gmail.com. Always in the Discord or Twitter is at flopcast. And just tell me if there's something, if it's pricing, if it's what we're offering, because we always want to make you feel like the Patreon is really worth your money because you are doing the ultimate helping to donate to the show to keep it running.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Any bit of help. Helps us. And if you're not ready for a regular financial commitment, consider just buying some merch. You can find the cover art for this episode online. Jordan did an awesome job working with Shannon to get it picked out. And you can get stuff like the Gomez Moon shirt, the Matchup Punching Harry Potter shirt, which are two of my favorites. And of course, a portion of the proceeds goes to the original artist as well. And then finally, If you can't help us out financially, we'd really appreciate it if you can like and share our show. Even if you just tell one friend about it or post it on Twitter, it means a ton along with doing that or writing us a review on iTunes so we can help get more eyes on the show where more listeners always means that we have more opportunities to expand our show and create more content. Yeah. Um, And then on that note, though, you can find us on our website, showdownflop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, Patreon, or wherever else you get your podcast. Yeah.
1: I don't have much to add, unfortunately. Yeah, that's
0: fine. <laughs> that's because we have a section missing. <laughs> but finally, though, I want to give some shout-outs to some friends of the show. First, talking Anime, best worst anime podcast. Talking Anime is planning a special 50th episode on a very controversial series that I don't want to talk about in this podcast, but you can listen to them. <laughs> Uh, Jordan is seeing in the show notes what that show is, and um, unfortunately they don't have like a dedicated website, so just look. Talkin oh my anime. god! I just
1: saw what it is. Yeah, so that's why I don't. <laughs> want, I
0: don't want to say the name of it because that yeah. might get us in trouble. Yeah, let's not talk about that on this show. Yeah. Power to them for covering that series. I also want to give a shout out to Simpin for Senpai. If you want to listen to two friends talk anime and why they love the medium, then check out Simpin for Senpai podcast. And you can find them at anchor.fm slash Simpin X Senpai. And then finally, I am going to run some promos for some really terrific shows here.
1: Hello, this is Lafayette. And I'm Carlos. From Nerds Talking the Podcast. That's right. Where we talk about everything from UFOs, comic books, movies, Uh streaming services, conspiracy theories, ghosts, Mm. video games, and more. All on Nerds Talking the Podcast. You can find us every Friday with new episodes on all digital platforms where you find your favorite podcast, Nerds Talking the Podcast. Now back to the show. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Hello there, guys, gals, and non binary pals. I'm Cameron. I'm Justin. And we are Cinema, Cinema Roulette. Roulette. We are a movie and TV review podcast with a gimmick. We take a bunch of movies and television shows, put them on a wheel, and let fate decide which one we'll review that week. Feel free to listen to us every Friday on whichever podcast app you choose. Except in January. January, we take a break.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. This has been David. This has
1: been Jordan. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. Yeah.